Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Burning the candle at both ends tends to uh, leave not much of a nub <laughs> uh, at the end, and so I've I've very much been spending more and more time realizing that I've got to spend time recharging and rejuvenating myself um, while continuing to drive forward. And it's only in doing both uh, that you can really be effective. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and. I'm your host, Edwin Frondoso. Welcome. How are you? How How is your day going? Thank you for joining me today. This is episode number 111, and my guest today is Jeff Ruby. He is the founder and CEO of Newtopia, a precision health company for sustainable habit change and disease prevention. With a pipeline of Fortune 100 companies set to roll out their program to employees in 2019, Newtopia is preparing for rapid growth. The company recently received the 2019 Accenture Health Tech Innovation Challenge Top Innovator Award. Jeff is a health innovator with an extensive entrepreneurial track record in preventive health, having co-founded a number of healthcare organizations prior to Newtopia, including Cleveland Clinic Canada, Life Screening Centers, and Genetic Diagnostics. Jeff has a remarkable story about founding the company and how his passion for preventative health began when his father was diagnosed with cancer. In our discussion, you will learn where people spend their hard-earned dollars when it comes to their health, how Natopia is starting a revolution of beating the quote-unquote sick care system, and the importance of having an outside eye that guides Jeff with critical decisions for Newtopia. This episode is brought to you by Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technology systems that help companies align and understand what the customers are saying when they are calling in. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partners at IT World Canada. And thank you for those who left a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate you. This latest one from Maggie NR, and they write, entertaining and meaningful. Thanks, Edwin. Thank you, Maggie. I really appreciate your super kind words. So when you rate and leave a review, I will read it on the next episode. Now, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Jeff. Thank you so much. It's really it's good to be here. It's good to be here doing this in person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, quick story for the listeners out there. This is actually Jeff and mine's second conversation. I'm really excited to catch up with him. But our first conversation, which we had almost a half a year ago, um, the recording went bad, right, Jeff? Uh- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think if we if we're honest, I was walking on a treadmill, and uh, I think something about the connection or the headset just didn't work. So, you kindly have come in person uh, to uh, our offices, which is great. It's nice to actually see you, and uh, second time's a charm. Yeah, no, this is great. I'm really excited uh, to to really dig deep. And uh, as I was coming in, I was I was remembering 
Jeff on a treadmill. So I got to see the treadmill. I might share that uh, myself on it just to <laughs> just to imagine what it's like to work for eight hours on a treadmill. But Jeff, enough of that. Why don't we start off by introducing yourself to our listeners. If you could let us know who you are and what you like to do when you're not leading leading businesses. Sure. So I'm uh, Jeff Ruby. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Newtopia. Uh, we're a precision health company for habit change and disease prevention. Happy to talk a little bit more about what all that means. Uh, outside, uh, this is my fourth disease prevention startup. So I've been doing this for about 20 years. But outside of starting uh, health prevention companies, uh, I'm first and foremost a dad. I've got three awesome kids, 10, 8, 5 and a half, uh, wonderful wife. And uh, I love to swim. I like to run. Big Barry's boot camp fan. Uh, and uh, I, my passion is sailing. Amazing. Yeah, I'm a runner. I'm actually training for the Berlin Marathon this year. So nice. wish me luck. It's my fourth marathon. Nice. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. So since you mentioned um, disease prevention, why don't you tell us a little bit about your current company, Natopia? Let us know what it is, your current roles, and and perhaps what you're trying to accomplish right now over the next maybe, let's say, half a year to, to 12 months. Yeah, so I mean, I've been on a bit of a journey, uh, and it's come from a personal place. I lost my dad to cancer at a young age and came to this horrible realization through his experience that healthcare as we know it doesn't have much to do with keeping healthy people healthy. And I just thought that was truly backward. Um, and most of the incentives and focus is on getting sick. That's how everyone gets paid. Um, and ultimately, where people get paid is generally what people want to happen. And so our healthcare system actually is motivated toward illness. Um, and when you think about that, um, I don't know if, about you, but I thought that was really problematic. So I've been on this journey to see how can we make healthcare more about keeping healthy people healthy. And Newtopia is that fourth lesson along the road. Um, you know, what we are is uh, this precision healthcare company focused on uh, individuals who are at risk for chronic diseases. I call them sort of pre-chronic individuals at risk for obesity, diabetes, heart disease, and stroke. And we use this great combination of learning about people socially, genetically, and behaviorally, so we can turn around and design experiences that will be meaningful to combine the best of human and digital to change habits and prevent those conditions from taking place. And while we do it, we take a lot of cost out of the system for the insurers who are ultimately responsible for those individuals. So that's a bit about Newtopia. Uh, we've got a large customer base in the United States with Fortune 500 customers and are growing rapidly and scaling that up. And um, that keeps me pretty busy. I'm on the road an awful lot. Um, outside of doing that, um, you know, it's, again, mainly just focused on family time, keeping up with friends, uh, being as good a sibling as I can possibly be, and, and trying to take some personal care of myself as well. Yeah, so really interesting. And I think being in disease prevention and talking about pre-chronic um, I guess diseases, what does that mean in terms of changing habits? Or you mentioned Fortune 500 companies. Like, how is this getting implemented to someone who may be listening and wondering, like, man, I maybe, maybe I need this. How do I get this? And what does that mean to me? Yeah, so one of the, the biggest lessons learned in 20 years trying to implement prevention is by and large, individuals, consumers, 
aren't focused on spending dollars today to prevent diabetes or heart disease or stroke down the road. Um, it's usually something uh, that someone else has to invest in that for them. Uh, and in the U.S. context, it's you know typically insurers, whether it's an employer who are typically the insurance company for their individuals um, or others uh, or other insurance companies, they have a real motivation to keep the cost of their health care down as it's been exploding in cost. And so there's been this perfect combination of opportunity to partner with U.S. employers and insurers to be able to address their at-risk employees, individuals with a few risk factors out of range that make them more likely to develop a chronic disease. And so we found, and it's taken some time, this great distribution opportunity to partner with employers to serve those at-risk individuals and uh, be able to really change up the habits of those individuals by designing something truly meaningful for them. But that combination, that is the only way that mainstream scalable prevention is going to take place. Um, and um, you know, we're right on the you know, forefront of doing it is sort of in delivering some outcomes that are the best in the industry. And for the individual, this is great because they're not spending money to do it, right? And and I think you quickly mentioned on that that um, the end user or people like myself, we may not invest on it because it's not in our horizon. But if my employer is saying, hey, Edwin, by the way, I think you need to look into this. Yeah, there's this really interesting handshake that goes on between catching someone who's a little bit concerned about the the journey that they're taking, learning that some of these risks are, you know, they're at risk for a heart attack or a stroke or developing, you know, type 2 diabetes, and understanding that their employer or insurer is going to pay for them to go through a process, and hopefully it's a habit change process to reduce those risk factors. You want to connect the right timing with the right economics and ultimately tap into an individual's intrinsic motivation to change. So that it's not about some financial incentive, some gift card or you know something that just has to keep increasing over time, but you're tapping into their true why. And when you get all those pieces right, uh, now you're, you're able to really uh, change habits, change the trajectory of health, and ultimately, you know, deliver prevention so that healthcare can be about keeping healthy people healthy as opposed to focusing on sick care. That's right. That's amazing. And and I last point, I'm and I'm just thinking out loud here, and I'm sure the folks that go through these habit changing, life changing things, they become huge advocates of promoting healthy lifestyle, healthy living, whether it comes back to Notopia or not, but they're that advocate of let's keep you're healthy now. Let's stay healthy, right? No, very much so. And and we're you know we're counting on the fact that those individuals within the organizations that we're working with can help you know be some of those pioneers, but also those evangelists. So as they go through their results, they're sharing it with their coworkers. They're able to show off these outcomes, and it definitely helps us build more and more brand awareness and more and more momentum as we grow within the organizations that we partner with. That's great. That's awesome. Appreciate you bringing this out to. To, to the workforce. It's, it's important work, and, and I'm, glad to, I'm glad someone's doing it. Um, Jeff, you mentioned, I think, I think it was four organizations doing disease prevention, 20 years in, in the practice, leading number of organizations. You have a wealth of experience. I'm wondering if you could share a difficult decision or situation that you had to, had to make that eventually allowed you to, to grow as the business leader you are today. 
Yeah, I think I think I alluded it to it in the answer before, but it was a, a little bit of a journey. Um, I started Newtopia with a direct-to-consumer focus, and we spent a lot of time trying to bring what we do to individuals, thinking that this this hyper personalized lifestyle approach would be really different from a lot of these solutions that are on the market today, but. Um, I kept banging my head against two challenges. We were forced to become more of an aesthetic weight loss company to service what consumers want today, which is to look good, feel good in the moment. And also, I just, I couldn't get the scale up right without having to create this big consumer brand and we just didn't have the money or the funding for. And so the hard decision was realizing that we were going to fail in that direction, but taking the success that we had with these thousands of individuals that we had helped and changed their lives and realizing that there was a different way to go, which was to partner with enterprise, to partner with employers and insurers, first started in Canada, failed, realizing that there wasn't the motivation here. And it was only when we took the step to partner in the US with large employers and insurers that we found our key to success. So I, I think it's the, it's one of these, you know, in, in startups, it's, you, you've, you've got to fail fast, uh, but you've also got to realize you just got to keep moving and keep moving and keep moving until you find the right path. And it can be frustrating. Uh, but at the same time, without doing it, um, we would have never found the road to success that we're on today. Yeah, no, that, that's a great story. And I love how you brought back, um, you know, for the startups or the entrepreneurs, because I know from my background, um, understanding that maybe something's going to fail. So, Talk to me more about that realization or how long you looked at that to, to sort of pivot in terms of it sounds like the first step was to go to the U.S. or, I mean, switch from consumers to partnerships and maybe the partnerships didn't work in Canada. Like how long was that dis- decision? Because I know talking to different leaders, sometimes it, it takes a while until you get better at doing this faster. Yeah, no, I, I would say um, with, with Newtopia, we spent a good three years trying a whole different variety, whether it was a retail distribution, online distribution, having our actual customers be our sales force, selling through physicians. You know, we tried and failed a whole number of things. And I think sometimes you, you drink your Kool-Aid a little bit too much. You, you fall in love with the idea of doing it, that you don't see the big picture. You miss the forest through the trees. And the, the, you know we, we miss the fact that consumers don't want to invest in disease prevention for themselves. And, and if they do, it's got to be through a big branded entity. And then once the dawning came, which was effectively, look, we're going to fail unless we do something else. There's just no more money and support. Was that you or is it a, a external stakeholders and advisors? It was a little bit of both. It was a realization that we weren't on the right path from me and some incredible guidance from some mentors, both board directors and mentors who were saying like, It's time to change, it's time to move, and don't be fearful of it, but embrace that failure and move on to the next where you can really be successful. And so I I think it's that, it was the combination of both knowing it internally, not necessarily knowing what to do, and then surrounding myself with some fantastic um, advisors and mentors who were able to show me a different path and then retool and go after it. So talk to me about changing direction and how did you communicate that with your existing team and to get them on board because they came and joined you when it was looking like this and now you have to i guess try to steer the ship and get them to buy in as well to to go with you right 
There's a, a very elegant term that's been coined for what we're describing. It's called the pivot. And it sounds so easy, right? Like a skater, you just sort of go from one edge of the blade to the next. But really what it means is you've recruited a team in one direction with a skill set to go direct to consumer, and you've got to change. And I don't like to say pivot anymore. We effectively restarted the company. Right. We just had to accept that there were some pieces and elements that were successful, but effectively a lot of the team and a lot of the expertise that we had to be moderately successful in one direction were going to be totally inappropriate for another. And so it meant taking a deep breath and saying, all right, time to restart uh, and move into another direction. And, and so challenging. Uh, it meant letting some folks go who had great skill sets in one area and great passion, but just wouldn't be appropriate. And then having to go and find the right skill sets uh, and an appropriateness of team uh, in that next. And so the pivot while important, um, I don't think um, the word doesn't necessarily provide the gravitas of effectively having to restart the company yeah, and again. transition and really like switch the sales and everything, go upwind for a while. I mean, that's uh, I mean, thank you for sharing. I mean, talking about that and, you know, outside looking in when people look at business leaders and these successful companies, they don't realize that. The impact of all these little small, for the lack of a better word at this point, pivots um, and to make it successful. I'm wondering, Jeff, just to, I guess, a little change gears and maybe it's a little related to what we're talking about because as a founder and an executive, you know, you have a lot of initiative, a lot of vision. Uh, and I find that business leaders are always continually have to learn and grow. So what are you doing today to ensure that you're always learning to grow, especially as your company is growing? Yeah, and this has been this has been some area of development for me. There was a, a lot a long time when I thought being an entrepreneur meant um, putting the business first at all cost, which necess necessitated oftentimes putting myself and my own personal needs and family, second. Um, and I don't think that's a good formula. Uh, and, and burning the candle at both ends tends to uh, leave not much of a nub <laughs> uh, at the end. And so I've, I've very much been spending more and more time realizing that I've got to spend time recharging and rejuvenating myself um, while continuing to drive forward. And it's only in doing both uh, that you can really be effective. And so in answer to the question, I've been spending much more time. I've got my own coach slash therapist that I go and speak to every single week. Uh, I'm part of uh, a group called YPO uh, and have a forum that I belong to, which has been fantastic uh, as a sounding board. I've got a phenomenal mentorship group of people around me on both my board of directors and personally who I can go to and seek guidance from. And then I also you know, have a, a wonderful, loving, supporting family. And I spend you know, more and more time now just on making sure I'm sleeping well, uh, I'm exercising, um, you know, I'm keeping pace. And that all may sound like a little bit of a luxury. I can assure you it hasn't always been, but I don't think I've ever been more effective as a leader having all of those pieces in place uh, than when I was trying to just drive, push. push, put myself last all the time. Hey there, how are 
you enjoying the conversation that I am having with Jeff. Quick question for you. Do you ever get inbox anxiety? You know that feeling when when you open your inbox and you see countless number of unread emails and you quickly close the app? I used to have that till I found a system that allows me to achieve inbox zero every day. I wrote a short ebook to share with you, share the strategies, the tools that I use to get to inbox zero. And not only that, I set up some challenges that will help you get accountable and really achieve inbox zero. And by the way, did I mention it's free? Yes, I wrote this just for you. So no emails are required. Simply go to my Facebook group at thebusinessleadership.com slash FB group or search for the business leadership group directly in Facebook. Now let's get back to the discussion that I'm having with Jeff. I love where you're talking about and it sounds what you describe for someone who's probably listening and growing as a leader who might be just thinking business first. What can you describe what your your week looks like and how does that fit everything in and still as you said be even more effective at running your business now? Yeah, so I I just I'm I, I'm probably like many people listening, I, I live on a calendar, but I've started to realize that um, just as meetings I go to on time, I just, I calendarize um, a swim uh, or a workout or thinking time or coaching and therapy time uh, or uh, time with my family as much as I will prioritize my ops, sales, or, you know, biz dev meetings. And so, you know, my week will typically be a blend of all of those pieces, but I also you know, sleep eight to nine hours a night because quite frankly, I think the most undersold activity that most of us do and the biggest bogey out there for leaders and entrepreneurs is the burn it. I can do three to four hours a night unless you're that genetic misfit that can do that. And I say misfit you know, in a nice way, but it's this rarity. Um, most of us cannot possibly function on four to five hours of sleep a night. We're just writing checks that our body's going to cash later for us in not a good way. And, uh, and so, yeah, that eight to nine hours is probably the most important um, time of the day to recharge and rejuvenate. Jeff, are you reading any leadership books? It doesn't... Uh or books, I, I'd like to know what you're actually reading, whether it's personal development or or even fiction. Yeah, so I, I just um, I, I bounce between. So I'm a pretty avid reader. Uh, I like to get lost. I usually bounce between fiction and nonfiction. The last two books that I've read uh, have been Bad Blood, uh, the uh, Theranos story by John Carreyrou. Again, fairly timely. HBO's now come up with a uh, right, uh, you know, a, a show called The Inventor. But just it's been a bit of a fascinating story. And for me, uh, we came up around the same time that Theranos came up, and oftentimes I was being compared by early investors why aren't you more like that and so it's been a fascinating thing to have 
one realized that sticking to my guns and not being like that was probably the best thing I could have ever done. And then I'm also reading uh, a book called Team of Rivals, which is, uh, um, it's all about Lincoln. It's by Doris Kearns Goodwin, just a brilliant presidential historian. But just to understand how Lincoln surrounded himself um, with his rivals in his cabinet, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, sort of a masterful um, way of thinking about leadership and, and surrounding yourself with people who don't flock to your ideas and so that's been a really great book as well oh that's awesome thank you for sharing i know with this podcast i have generated an amazing list of uh of books that everyone's everyone has sh- is sharing with me so if you are listening uh check out the episode page um for that question for you as you've grown jeff and you know recognizing folks within your company is there one characteristics that you believe in every every business leader should have? I, I certainly um, I I would certainly say authenticity um, is something universal uh, that all business leaders should have. As as at the end of the day, um, it's not playing a role that you think it should be. It's playing you uh, and authentic leaders are very transparent to others and become very magnetic to others. And it's really simple to see when someone's playing the, you know, the Gordon Gecko or the role that they've seen on TV and being someone they're not. I think authenticity is, is a really important leadership trait. And, and for me, I also think persistence and perseverance as a startup entrepreneur and as someone who's now founded you know, four companies and, and tends to play on the earlier stage, uh, that, that grit and perseverance is, is all essential. Uh, when, when it comes for uh, authenticity or being authentic, do you think that's a learned trait? I don't think it's so much a learned trait as it is you can't be authentic unless you know who you are. Um, and so it's, it takes the time for individuals to truly understand themselves. And then only when someone can understand who they are and what's important to them can authenticity shine through. But we all have, uh, it, so it's not, I think the learning is spend some time to know yourself and then you can truly be an authentic leader. Jeff, can you name a person who has had a tremendous impact on you as a business leader or entrepreneur? Anyone, it could be someone alive, dead, someone you know, a mentor, anyone who comes to mind? So I'm truly inspired by anyone who's built something from scratch. I tend to really resonate on the founder level. Um, Just the audacity to believe that this idea um, can be brought to life and that um, no one's better to be able to do it than that group and that founding team, that that really resonates with me. Um, I've had some wonderful mentors both on the how I want to be and how I don't want to be in my business experiences. And so I've drawn lessons from some of the failures, but also some real great uh, success. And uh, I've also found some great mentorship from some of my uh, board members, uh, angel investors who have just been all wise. I tend to really like individuals who have succeeded, but also failed in a big bad way because those are individuals who really understand both sides of the coin anyone who's just been successful terrifies me because i don't want to be on their watch when it fails 
That's true. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's funny how you mentioned that because a lot of individuals may look at the the lucky successful person and and want to try to emulate them, and not knowing that they they may be really genius and smart, but there is a lot of luck uh, when it comes to that. This is a topic that. I'm finding this is a personal topic that I'm finding a little more fascinating uh, where we are when it comes to the future of work. So, Jeff, I just want to get some of your insights and thoughts on how you or maybe some of the people um, that you work with, mentors, are preparing um, for the next generation with the rise of new innovations like artificial intelligence and, and how, how will it affect maybe your company or even your industry? So this is uh, this is a, an area I spend uh, an awful lot of time on, mainly because we are very much uh, including and implementing um, machine learning and deep learning into what we do, and so we are part of that wave. Um, but also, you know, a, a definite recognition that there's an exponential curve of AI that is coming. I don't think. We've just seen a little bit of it, but it's going to be here faster than we think and will have a massive disruption uh, on the way we work, especially if it's in an algorithmic automated way. Um, the comfort I have is in really recognizing the, the, I think the power of the human AI or the human technology relationship where what AI will never be able to do is love. It will never be able to care. Uh, and by focusing on human roles that love and care, often others, um, those will never be transplanted. Uh, but then counting on the AI and technology to supercharge that relationship, I think there's a harmony there that I'm really excited about. And it's actually exactly what we do and deliver as part of our habit change platform today, where we're looking to partner up uh, each of our at-risk participants with someone called an inspirator, that's a coach, and then we power up that inspirator with great technology decision support so that they can deliver exactly what they're supposed to, which is the inspiration, the love, the compassion, and confidence building, but we can then power them up with great technology, and I think it's in that handshake uh, that we'll see the future, um, and we shouldn't fear it, but we definitely need to embrace it and move more and more of our human-related activities toward that caring and love and compassion that AI will never achieve. I mean, that th you bring up so many good points and so many things in terms of um, the feelings and the emotions and, being, and, and what it means to be human. So how do those who are listening and maybe are thinking about, okay, what does this mean to lead the organization now? Like, how do I, what's my next steps in terms of preparing for the next generation of employees that might be working with me? Because this is an unwritten story still, right? Very much. And the one thing I would say is embrace. Don't put your head in the sand. And don't consider this one as a 10-year out. It's not. It's going to be faster and sooner than we think. Um, but it's really how do you gear your organization and how do you gear your mindset around um, enabling the humans um, and superpowering them with this great technology, but not counting them out, rather finding the best role for them to play that 
that compassionate, loving, caring role that only they can play. Um, and but but that takes strategy and that takes planning. And for some organizations or for some service fields that have been very much on the algorithmic, um, you know, knowledge based, that they better find a way to move. Um, into the caring and compassion world because there is no way uh, that the human mind is going to beat the deep learning and the general uh, artificial intelligence that's about to emerge. Jeff, I'm always fascinated with um, systems, routines, habits, and you might be a a very (laughs) great guest for for this next uh, question, but I'm wondering if you have any new hacks that you recently learned that has helped you be a bit more efficient in uh, being a business leader or, or a human. So I, I think, um, you know, we referenced it at the outset in, in a sort of joking way, but I, I work on a treadmill and that's a little bit meta. Um, <laughs> it's but, so meta. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just the act of standing and moving all day um, makes a huge difference. Um, and uh, I am a, a big proponent in sitting is is not good for us, even if you get that morning workout in. But if you get that high intensity workout in and then sit for the next eight to 10 hours, I, I, I actually think the sitting is worse than doing that activity in the morning. So more consistent, um, you know, lower, uh, lower intensity activity all day is great. So that's been fantastic for me because it's really modulated my energy levels. It just, uh, I'm not going for coffees or a snack in the afternoon. I just feel on. So that's been a, a really great hack. The sleep, the consistent sleep, especially with travel. Uh, I travel a lot um, and I really work hard to maintain that sleep hygiene habit. Um, so moving most of the day, sleeping well at night, those have been two, you know, just two key things and they sound so basic, but wow, from a tuning perspective, um, you know, I don't think I've ever felt better. Yeah. For the, for those who may not be able to have a treadmill desk like yourself, Jeff, what does that mean in terms of uh, moving or changing the habit for someone who may need to sit at a desk for eight hours? Well, I think one of the things that we typically do, so we, we've forgotten to talk to each other. Um, we've forgotten to move around the office. Um, we tend to use um, hacks like Slack uh, or FaceTime uh, or you know, Skype, which are wonderful tools. But you know, don't forget that you likely have an office with people in it that you can walk to their office or their cubicle to have a conversation. If you're going for lunch while the elevator is easy, so too is the flight of stairs up and down. Uh, and just taking some time to move around every couple hours is probably a way to do that. And all of us sleep. Uh, and, and so all of us also put barriers into what we do. Take your device, keep it in the basement. It doesn't have to be by your bedside table. Nothing is happening that's that important with the exception of the deal players on those moments that you have to go to sleep with the blue screen and wake up to the blue screen as the first and last thing you do. Oh, that's great. Thank you for sharing. Fun question, Jeff. If I were to ask any of your current team members or past uh, colleagues, friends, uh, stakeholders, what's the best leadership quality that you possess? What do you think they would say? I'm not necessarily sure that they'd say this is the best one, but <laughs> I think I would be described as uh, persistent. I don't know how to give up. I won't give up. Uh, and I just, I just keep fighting it out um, no matter what. And I think that would easily be described uh, by anyone who's worked with me. So what else is going on in your life, Jeff? Do you have any special projects, initiatives, milestones, or anything fun 
that you're looking forward to and, and, and maybe losing sleep on? So try not to lose sleep on it, but we're on the um, on the threshold of converting from what has been a private company to a public company of some press not too long ago in the Globe and Mail about that. So really excited. This will be uh, a new challenge and a new frontier for me uh, being at the helm of a publicly traded company. So I'm really excited about that. And uh, some of our U.S. customers have just done some you know, breathtaking expansion, and we have the opportunity to expand with them in those directions. And so that, too, is really excited from a scaling perspective. Well, that's awesome. Be sure to let me or let us know uh, how we could support and celebrate uh, in your next milestone uh, as you build Newtopia. That's, that's super exciting. Um, but before we end, Jeff, do you have any final thoughts, observations? Ideally, some type of actionable items that you could share with the emerging business leader or entrepreneur who may be listening today. I mean, I, for, for me, on the entrepreneurial side, because that's where I live, I think it's really starting with passion. There's got to be something that you believe so firmly in that you can do better than anyone else, that you're going to bring a team of people around you, you're going to raise money, you're going to do something. Uh, but guarantee yourself that it's not going to work out as you planned. And so that passion is going to um, help through those turns, those pivots, those inevitable challenges that come along the way, and then just never give up. Just be persistent. Um, and you can only be in the game if you're playing the game. Uh, and so just always play the game. And so to close, Jeff, can you tell us where we can find more information about you Utopia, or anything else you'd like to share with us today? Uh, yeah, so you can find more information about Newtopia on the web at uh, www.newtopia, N-E-W-T-O-P-I-A.com. Um, I'm pretty available on uh, LinkedIn for anyone who wants to uh, find me and chat. And uh, aside from that, I, I just really plan on finding a way to make healthcare about keeping people healthy, which I think is going to keep me pretty busy. Awesome. Well, Jeff, again, it's an pleasure speaking to you for the second time but i really want to thank you for joining us on the business leadership podcast thanks for having me it's great to be here that's it biz leaders thank you for joining me on the business leadership podcast this was episode 111 with jeff ruby if you want to learn more about jeff newtopia or anything else that we discuss please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash one 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 and please do join me on my private facebook group where i will personally discuss this episode i will answer your questions and also connect you with other like-minded business leaders simply search for the business leadership group directly in facebook and lastly if you haven't done so yet please subscribe rate and review the podcast on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify or wherever you're listening today. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Okay.